Hey there, and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and I aim to be your boss's worst nightmare. Hey there, what's going on here? It's still Monday the 18th of July 2016. This is the second podcast today. And also, I forgot to mention in the earlier podcast that um, we've got the music back, which I'm pretty happy about. Hope you are too. Now, why am I recording two podcasts today? Well, a couple of reasons, really. Firstly, I've just looked at the weather forecast and tomorrow here in uh, my village, it's due to be 30 degrees centigrade. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. It's probably in the sort of mid to high 80s, I think. The thing is, my studio here, I built this on the south side of my house. Uh, and it's got a lovely big window in, so I can see out into the garden. But being on the south side of the house, that means that the sun streams in. Now, being here in the UK, we live in a uh, temperate climate. We're, uh, or sometimes called a maritime climate. So we're an island, and we're surrounded by sea, which keeps us relatively warm in winter with the Gulf Stream. So we don't have really bad winters, not very often. We do sometimes, but not very often. And the summers here don't tend to be very, very hot. They tend to be warm, they tend to be pleasant, but not very, very hot. So, that being the case, very few houses here happen to have air conditioning. And mine's one of them. And with a south-facing studio, with a big window that lets in lots of sunlight, you can imagine how it's going to feel here tomorrow. So the chances of me actually recording a podcast tomorrow are slim. I'm going to do my best to do that. I'll probably find a cooler part of the house. How about that? So it might sound a little bit different because it won't have the studio mic, but uh, maybe we can get around that. But if I do, I can also uh, get up early in the morning and do one. In fact, I recorded that first podcast today at around about 7am this morning. It was already 25 degrees in here. It's lovely warm weather to be out in. Not so great when you're in the uh, in the studio. So that's why I'm one reason why I'm recording two, just in case I don't get to record one tomorrow. The other reason was that earlier podcast I recorded was all about success, wasn't it? And how we define success and how you define your success. Well. I was thinking about that and I wanted to just give you an example of a success just this last weekend, success that uh, that I experienced. Now, I'm not going to be blowing my own trumpet here, quite the reverse, um, but it was a really successful weekend. And this is just to show you that you can find success wherever you look for it. If you've listened to this podcast for since the inception, you'll know that occasionally there's been the odd mention of our allotment. Now, over in the UK, an allotment is a small area of land that you rent at a very low rate um, and you can grow your own fruit and veg on it. Well, we're fortunate enough to have one uh, that's about 10, 15 minutes walk from the house um, and we have a lovely time up there. Now, on Saturday, we were up there and I just commenced my watering duties. So I was ferrying watering cans back from the standpipes that we've got dotted around the place. And I heard a yelp, and it was Carol. She had just gone over to check out gooseberries and lifted the netting, and tangled in the netting was a snake. It was quite a large snake. It was about a metre long. And Carol has a phobia about snakes. She's not just frightened of them. She has a real genuine phobia. If we're watching a natural history programme and one comes up on the screen, she will sort of recoil a little bit, Um, even worse with spiders. But she really was hugely uh, freaked by this this snake we found. Anyway, I went and had a look and I could see it was really very, very tangled and it was a very hot day. Being a hot day, I suppose, with, with it being a, a reptile or a cold-blooded creature, they're more active on hot days, so I'm guessing it had struggled more and more 
in this netting and it had sort of weaved its way through so it had gone through several of the holes if you see what i mean so all the way down its body it was looped more and more into this netting and some of it was really quite constricting and clearly i had to do something about it now i wasn't totally i thought it was a grass snake which here in the uk is a, a non-venomous snake but sometimes female adders which are venomous not not to the point of killing you usually it's normally like a bee sting but pretty sore but some adders can have less defined markings than others, so um, I wasn't entirely sure. So I was pretty wary not to get near the the business end of it, shall we say. But it took me, with the help of another allotment holder, the best part of half an hour to just cut sufficient netting away to release this snake. But obviously I didn't want to let it go into the wild again because it has still got these loops of net around it, which clearly over time would uh, would kill it, basically. It, it just would. It was nylon stuff that you can't break with your hands. You have to cut it. So while I was doing this, I asked Carol if she'd grab my phone and film it because it's quite an event, really. I love wildlife. I mean, I'd much rather have not seen this snake, not had the opportunity to handle it. I'd much rather it not have got caught up. But the, these chances come along and you take them, don't you? So I wanted to record the event. I wasn't sure whether it would turn out to be a happy event because it did look in a pretty poor state, this snake, when I first found it. But I realised since then it was actually playing dead as a defence mechanism, as was the smell. <laughs> Let's be. I'll try and be as delicate as possible. It it it, it let go a, a real smell again as a defence mechanism. So it was a pretty unpleasant task getting this snake extricated from this net. But as I say, I asked Carol to film this. Now Carol is petrified around snakes, but I gave her this job to do and asked her if she'd do it, and she agreed to do it. And she stood there and filmed and filmed and filmed, and it took about half an hour. To, um, to get this snake free from this netting. Then it was, well, what do we do with it now? So it was a question of, the, I mean, it's sort of five, five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. The vet's not going to be open to be able to try and do anything about getting, getting the net off. And we certainly can't take it home and look after it over the weekend. I've got no way of keeping it. The wonderful thing is with smartphones nowadays, you know, wherever you are, you've got access to, to information immediately. So I managed to locate and call a wildlife rescue and rehabilitation centre that was totally voluntary run by this lady. In fact, I'd been there some time ago with a, an injured hedgehog, but it's about a 30 mile round trip from me. But I, I called her up and she was there and she said, yeah, sure, bring him in. So then it was, well, how do I transport this thing? How, well, I've got this snake, which by now is actually pretty darn lively and not totally happy. How do I transport it 30 miles? I can't ask Carol to sit and hold it while I drive. So one of the neighbouring allotment holders had a burlap sack. So we put it in this sack and I was just about to get into the car. I noticed there's a, a snake-sized hole in this sack. So I was pretty glad that, that I'd, I'd actually noticed that before I got in the car. Well, I can't clearly can't take it in that. Um... What else have we got? And Carol said, ah, we've got the, the, the bucket with the, the chicken pellets. So we've got these sort of fertilizer pellets in. So there's a bucket that's got a, a sealable lid on it. So I knew that there was plenty of air in this. It was a very large bucket. There was plenty of air in it to get it to the rescue center, the lady in question. And so I was able to put it in there and drive there. Now, this is an awful lot of background information, but you'll see where it's going, I hope. 
So I drove over there, it took me in the traffic, took me probably about half an hour to get there. I was in there five minutes and the actual operation itself took a couple of minutes tops. I mean, she was so skilled. All I had to do was hold this snake as still as I possibly could while she took this sort of hooked scalpel thing. She called it a suture scalpel, I think. Hooked scalpel thing, very sharp. But she was able to get it between the scales of this snake because that was the problem. The snake had gone in and because it couldn't reverse out because it, the, the net was getting caught under its scales. So she was able to get in under the scales and just snip through this net. And it literally took a couple of minutes and the snake was free. So I said, well, shall we let him go in the woods here? Because she lived, you know, in a fairly remote area. She said, no, no, it really ought to go back and support the local population where it came from, which delighted me. So popped it back in the bucket and took it back to the site. Now, I think I've referred to the snake as a he. I think I might be mistaken there because it was jolly fat, this snake. And we were talking, the lady and I, that it might actually have been pregnant. It might have been full of eggs as well. So it was doubly important that we did whatever we could to rescue this thing. So we got it back to to the, the site and I got Carol to start filming the, the release. I wanted to release it into the hedge around the side of the site uh, and with there's some rough ground there. It's not maintained which would be ideal for it. So I, Carol started filming and then I sort of started to lift the lid and I could see it was very lively indeed. So I thought, no, I'd better take the camera. And I took the camera from her and I filmed it. I know snakes don't jump, but it seemed to almost jump out of this bucket, this, this meter-long snake, and dive for the nearest hedge bottom into the shadows. Um, and I can tell you, it might not sound much, but that gave me such a buzz. That, to me, was a huge, huge success. Just seeing this snake that, when I found it, I thought it was dead because it was playing dead. But clearly, if we'd not found it, if we'd not gone up that day, it would have been dead by now because of the heat. It would have been lying out there in the sun. The heat would have killed it. It would have had no access to moisture. It wouldn't have been able to hunt. But, you know, it would have just died. I feel very guilty that we had netting. We were responsible enough to have netting that caught it. We thought we'd done the right thing by having netting that wouldn't catch birds and that sort of stuff. And we thought we'd done all the right stuff, but clearly you can't plan for everything. So I need to rethink how we protect our fruit up there because I don't want to cause a similar incident. But I was so thrilled. I was so pleased with the success because not only had we saved that one snake, it seems highly likely we'd saved another generation, a whole generation of snakes there which is brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I don't know whether you like snakes or whether you f- fear them uh, or whether, like Carol, you've got a phobia about them. But even Carol was so pleased, so pleased that we were able to rescue this snake that she is petrified about. So that's why I wanted to record this second podcast, really. It was to say, look for success in other places, because that to me was a massive success at the weekend. Nothing to do with what I do for a living, nothing to do with how I earn money, nothing to do with any of that. But it is to do with the way I live my life and the way I'm able to live my life and the decisions that I've made in my life. It's entirely to do with that. So I see that as a major success story and I really want to give a big shout out for Carol for overcoming her phobia. Because I can tell you, courage, courage isn't being fearless. There's no courage in doing something that you're not frightened of doing. So if somebody is, I don't know, a skydiver, and they don't feel fear. It's not because they're brave, it's because they don't feel fear. 
it's the person who does the skydive for charity who is absolutely petrified and hanging on till their knuckles glow white to the plane, but still jump out. That's courage. It's doing things that frighten you to death. Still getting on and doing them because either you want to do it, you, something you really want to do, it's something you really know that you must do. You'll find that when you step out from the security of the corporate world, you're going to be frightened often of doing things. Now, sometimes it may be just frightened of doing something new. But do it anyway. You're courageous enough. You can do it. You can show that courage. Get on and do it. As before, hope this has been useful to you. If it has, look, I tell you what, why don't you just subscribe to these podcasts over on iTunes or at Stitcher Radio? Because that way you're not going to miss another one. Hit the subscribe. Leave me a review. Leave me a bunch of stars. Tell me what you like best about this podcast. The reason for that, I know I say this and you're probably sick of hearing me say this, it's not to stroke my ego. It does. It does enormously. I get a real boost out of a five-star review. Of course I do. Who wouldn't? The reason I'm asking you to do that is because it will also help other people find this podcast. And you want to help them as well, don't you? Because, hey, let's face it, you're that type of person. You're a helpful person. Hit me up on Twitter, at Aussie Air. Or email me, Aussie, at whensmytime.com. Tell me what you like best about it. Leave that review. Give me a bunch of stars. Subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. And I think that's a good job for the day, don't you? I've been Aussie Air founder of whensmytime.com and I'm here to tell you your time is now. <laughs>